0: On today's story session, a tale about a family of idiots who completely squander their good fortune but are still somehow portrayed as noble heroes. This is The Golden Children. My name is Zach Stewart and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow of a Story Sessions, the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folk tales and fairy tales used to be. Which, in my opinion, just made them way better. So we're going through the original versions of Grimm's fairy tales, story by story. We'll figure out the intended lessons and the actual lessons of each story. And afterwards, I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. Let's get right to it with today's tale, titled The Golden Children. We begin. Once upon a time there lived a poor man and a poor woman, who had nothing but a little hut. The husband was a fisherman. And one day, as he was sitting by the water's edge, and had cast out his net, he caught a golden fish. And the fish said, "'If you throw me back into the water, I'll turn your little hut into a splendid castle. And in the castle there will be a cupboard. When you open it, there will be dishes of boiled and roasted meat in them, as much as you desire.' But you may not tell anyone in the world how you came by your good fortune. Otherwise, you will lose it all. Ooh, I like this. I mean, if a fish gave you all that, you definitely want to tell people that it came from a fish. Because that's a fucking crazy story. On the other hand, nobody would believe you. So it actually would be pretty easy to not tell anyone this. Just make something up. Telling people that you found buried treasure is more believable than telling him that a fish gave you your house and a lifetime supply of delicious meats. (laughs) The way the fish says it, though, he's only giving the guy meats. No vegetables, or bread, or any side dishes of any kind. Just as much meat as you want. You gotta sell or trade the meat if you want some sides. We continue. The fisherman threw the golden fish back into the water, and when he came home, a huge castle was standing where otherwise his hut usually stood, and his wife sat in the middle of a splendid room. The man was very pleased by this, but he also wanted to eat something. What did the wife think about this? She didn't ask him, like, what the fuck happened to their hut? She wasn't standing in the middle of the room terrified? Wife, give me something to eat, he said. Okay, it's a little rude. I'm tremendously hungry. However, his wife answered, I don't have a thing and can't find anything in this large castle. (laughs) Just go over there to the cupboard. (laughs) She'd be like, what are you talking about? What the hell is going on? What did you do out there today? I'd be super skeptical and, frankly, terrified if I'm in her shoes. He comes in and starts demanding food. It's like, what what is happening, husband? Jesus. We continue. When his wife opened the cupboard, she found cake, meat, fruit, and wine. Okay, okay, so that's good. It's more than just a cupboard packed wall-to-wall with meats. What more could my heart desire? His wife was astonished. And then she said... Tell me, where in the world has this treasure of riches come from all of a sudden? Yeah, it's about damn time you started asking some questions. (laughs) He answered, I'm not allowed to tell you. If I tell you, our good fortune will vanish. After he said this, his wife became only more curious, and she kept asking him and tormenting him and didn't allow him any peace day and night until he finally revealed to her that everything came from a golden fish. Fucking hell. Come on, guys. Nobody in these old stories has any self-control whatsoever. It's clearly some crazy magic shit, lady. Your hut turned into a castle. Something magic happened. It's not like it's modern day where he might be selling drugs or doing some dangerous illegal shit. There's a magical meat cupboard. Obviously, this is some crazy magic. Just don't question it. If he says, I can't tell you, you used to live in a hut. Now you live in a castle with infinite meats. Just go with it. And okay, and you're not blameless either, fisherman. You're not off the hook for this. Just don't tell her. It's literally the one thing you can't do. Ah, these fucking people. I hate this trope in movies and TV shows, too, where someone is like, just don't do this one thing, and then the other person has to do that one thing. Get a fucking grip out there, guys. How about we show a little more trust in each other? Anyway, I'm getting distracted. We continue. No sooner had he said this than the castle and all the rich treasures vanished, and the fisherman and his wife were sitting once again in the old fishing hut. Now the man had to resume his work all over again, and he fished and fished until he caught the golden fish once more. Okay, pretty lucky. The fish promised the fisherman again that if he let it go free, the fish would give him the beautiful castle again and the cupboard full of boiled and roasted meat, but only on condition that he remained silent about who granted this favor. Okay, and the wife already knows that it's the fish now, so... She should not have any questions about this situation. <laughs> if he gets home and she's like, did it happen again with a fish? He's just got to give her a death stare and be like, look, we don't talk about where the castle and all the meats came from. Okay, we've been through this. Both of us just have to shut the fuck up about the castle and the meats. All right. It's the one rule. Get a hobby. Make some friends. Do whatever you want. Just shut up about the castle and the damn meats. <laughs> uh, well, the fisherman held out for a while But eventually, his wife tormented him so drastically That he revealed the secret And in that very moment, they sat once again in their shabby hut Ugh She's dumb She's she's just an idiot That's the only explanation He still shouldn't have told her again But fucking hell How did she not put it together when the same thing happened again, that it came from the same place. He should have just thrown her out. Look, like, like, look, I don't understand what you don't get about this. You saw what happened last time. There's one rule here, and you already know the answer to the question you're asking me. I don't know what, what you're trying to do, but you, you gotta go. You need to leave. Lightning struck twice, and for some reason, you're intent on us being poor here. Oh, man. All right. We continue. So the husband went fishing again, and he fished and caught the golden fish a third time. Listen, said the fish. (laughs) The fish is like, come on, buddy. I'm trying to make this easy on you. Take me home with you and cut me into six pieces. Oh, give two to your wife to eat, two to your horse and plant two in the ground You'll reap a blessing by doing this. Your wife will give birth to two golden children. The horse will produce two golden foals. And two golden lilies will grow from the earth. Alright, so now the fish is just like, I can't keep doing this. You and your wife are so sad and incompetent and depressing. Just fucking kill me. Just kill me now. (laughs) The fisherman obeyed and the fish's prophecy came true. Soon, the two golden children grew and became strong young men. Father, they said, we want to set out into the world. We'll mount our golden horses, and you'll be able to see from the golden lilies how we are doing. If they are fresh, then we are healthy. If they wilt, then we're sick. If they perish, then we shall be dead. Okay, so have they benefited at all from these kids and the horses? It doesn't say that the sons or the horses were or super helpful, or valuable in any way. So far, they're just normal kids and horses that happen to be gold. So, it's just four more mouths to feed for this poor fisherman and his dumb wife. I don't see what the benefit of knowing if they're sick or dead is. He won't be able to find them or do anything about this. Actually, no, he probably will. Just ask around about where the two golden brothers with the two golden horses are. But I feel like they're pretty huge targets for getting robbed or, or killed or something. Some gang is going kill, to kill them and stuff them and pay people to see their stuffed bodies. <laughs> we continue. Upon saying this, they rode off and came to an inn where there were many people inside. And when people saw the two golden children on the golden horses, they began to make fun of them. <laughs> In turn... The young men became angry, and one of them became ashamed, turned around, and rode home. Oh, that's kind of sad. However, the other continued to ride on and came to a forest. But the people outside the forest told him that he shouldn't enter because it was full of robbers and they would attack him. But the golden boy wouldn't let himself be scared by that and said, I must and shall go through the forest. <laughs> oh, hell. Okay, so all the people... Warning him, we're probably like, uh, yeah, all right, I guess, do what you want. We're just giving you information here. And you're such an obvious target being solid gold and don't really seem like you've been out in the world much, so whatever, good luck, buddy. See you later. And they just whisper amongst themselves, Like, man, that golden guy was a dick. Then he took a bearskin where did he get that? And covered himself and his horse with it, so that nothing more of the gold could be seen. Must have been a giant bearskin. And he then rode into the forest. Soon thereafter, he heard something calling out in the bushes. Quote, Here's one. Then another voice spoke. Let him go. What should we do with a bearskin? He is as poor and empty-handed as a church mouse. Oh, fuck off. These are the worst robbers I've ever seen (laughs) or heard about in any story. Firstly, obviously, there's somebody inside the bearskin. These guys are just like, nah, it's just a sentient floating bearskin. Nothing at all unusual about that, and certainly not worth robbing. You probably even hear the horse's feet clip-clomping on the ground. That is the worst disguise ever. (laughs) There could be a a guy carrying a literal treasure chest under that bearskin. It would also have to be a fucking huge bearskin to cover a guy and a horse, so it definitely would arouse suspicion and look like a pretty big score, you'd think. Maybe there's even like a golden glow underneath. <laughs> it seems like these robbers don't even realize there's a horse under there, and, and even stealing a normal horse would be super valuable, right? Alright, I'm giving this too much thought. This is so fucking stupid. And I haven't even mentioned that the robbers are apparently calling out to each other to plot their attack while hiding in the bushes. Are they just super drunk or something? Dumbest robbers in history. We continue. So this is how the golden young man escaped the robbers. It's not super impressive. You can't call this an escape, even. And rode into a village where he saw a maiden who was so beautiful that he couldn't imagine any other maiden as beautiful as she was in the whole world. All right, well, the only people he's ever met are his family, the inn where everyone made fun of him, and a few people on the edge of a forest who said he was stupid for going into the forest. So I don't mean to be rude, but maybe travel a little bit more before you start making huge assertions about about someone like this so he asked her to marry him real impulsive and the maiden said yes okay and she would remain true to him for the rest of her life oh what so she's on board with this (laughs) what's her deal then this guy is solid gold you don't have any questions or anything you don't want to go on a date or anything first now we know she's a weirdo too, I guess. Alright, as long as they're happy, but they don't even know each other, so I can't really imagine that they will be. We continue. Then the bride's father came home. <laughs> Wait, so they met and got married in like the same day? Because that makes it seem like this happened instantaneously, like he saw her and just immediately proposed. Alright, well, the father's home, and when he saw that his daughter had married a loafer in a bearskin... Parentheses, for he hadn't taken off the bear skin. <laughs> End parentheses. He became angry and wanted to murder the bridegroom. He didn't take off the bearskin? So that means this lady saw a guy on a horse covered in a massive furry pelt all the way down to the ground. She sees this weird huge blob of fur right out of the woods come up to her. Ask her to marry it, the blob, and then they, and then agreed. And then they get married with the guy still wearing the bearskin. It says they, they were married. They'd already gotten married, man. He wore the bear. That means he wore the bearskin during the wedding too and everything. Fucking hell. They got married in a day. And then her dad gets back and she points to this blob in a bearskin and is like, this is my husband now. Hope you had a good day at work. Yeah, I'd be furious, too, if I were her dad. So this lady is either an idiot or had a major head injury at some point. And this father is entirely right to come back and be like, who the hell are you? You you won't even take off that bearskin? What the, what the hell is going on? Get the fuck out of here, creep. Man, we continue. However, the bride pleaded as best she could and told her father... That she loved the man in the bearskin skin <laughs> very much. And after all, he was her husband. I don't... No, fuck that. That's not a good argument. Finally, the father calmed down and the next morning he got up and wanted to see his son-in-law one more time. And all at once, he saw a splendid, golden young man lying in bed. Alright, this would not calm Any of his concerns. This would just bring up a million more questions. He'd just finally come to terms with the fact that his daughter was marrying this very odd eccentric fur trader. I guess you would have to assume or something. And now it comes out that the guy is solid gold. Which again, doesn't seem to give him any special abilities or anything. He's just gold. That's it. (laughs) I I don't know. But the bridegroom had dreamed... That he should go hunting after a magnificent stag, and when he awoke, he wanted to go into the forest to hunt this stag. His newlywed wife implored him to stay there and was afraid that something might happen to him. However, he said, I must and shall go off. Okay, so now he won't even stay with his wife the day after their wedding because he had a dream about a deer. Alright, fuck this guy. This should prove just how impulsive and stupid and not suitable of a husband this guy is, and remind you that you don't even know him. This completely validates all of the dad's skepticism here. I wonder if he threw on the bearskin again before heading out. (laughs) Who knows? Upon saying this, he got up and went into the forest. Soon, he saw a proud stag standing before him, just as in his dream. But when he took aim and was about to shoot... The stag began to flee. The golden man went after him and followed him over ditches and through bushes the entire day and wasn't tired. Okay, congratulations. Yet the deer evaded him, and the young man soon found himself in front of a witch's house. Okay, so I guess there's witches in this world. Also, you know what? I'm glad he didn't kill the stag. I'm sick and tired of people in movies and TV shows killing deer all the time. It's cliched, fuck it, fuck these people, (laughs) let the deer live, let the stags live. (sighs) He called out and asked whether she had seen the stag. She said yes, while the witch's small dog kept barking at him without stopping. So he became angry and wanted to shoot it. Fuck you, man. You're going to ride up to this lady's house and ask for her help, but then kill her dog because it barked at you? Man, this guy is the worst. When the witch saw this, she changed the young man into a millstone. Good. Fuck this guy. And at that very same moment, the golden lily perished at the golden youth's home. When the other brother saw this, he mounted his golden steed and raced away and came upon the witch how did he find her the whole lily system didn't involve directions or gps or anything it just indicated state of life he threatened her with death unless she restored his brother to his natural form so the witch had to obey i don't really see why and the two brothers rode home together the first one to his bride and the other To his father. In the meantime. The golden lily revived itself. And if the lilies haven't perished. Then both of them. Are still standing. The end. Fuck this story. (laughs) The witch should have just turned the second guy. Into a millstone too. I don't see why she couldn't have just done that. He deserved it less. A little less. But still. He didn't try to kill her dog. But still. Fuck them both. You know what? I don't see how these two kids and their golden horses did any good whatsoever. How were they a benefit to the fisherman and his wife? They seem dumb and impulsive. How are they a benefit to anyone? The one that bailed after they made fun of him at the inn is a coward, while the other one is way too confident and aggressive to the point that he feels justified shooting a dog because it barked at him. How did this group benefit the fisherman or his wife? In any way. How is he better off now? Did he want kids and they were unable to have kids? Because it never said that. And they were poor when it was just the two of them. So how did these kids and two horses improve their situation? Horses probably eat a lot too. Maybe having more horses helped them do stuff, I guess. Do more labor. can Become a farmer. He's a fisherman. I don't know how this would help with fish. Maybe he can take more fish to the market. I don't know. I I don't really see how anything that happens after the kids and horses show up is good in any way. The aggressive golden boy just kind of stumbles forward and does a bunch of stuff, but he doesn't help anyone. He doesn't really do anything at all except marry that girl against her father's wishes just because he thought she was hot, but he didn't care enough about it to take off the (laughs) bearskin. The fucking bearskin. And we don't know if they'll even turn out to like each other and stay together. We don't know this at all. This story is pointless. This story is fucking pointless. Maybe that's kind of the lesson, though. The fish gives the fisherman a castle twice, but he fucks it up, so the fish gives him this random shit that doesn't actually do anything positive. Maybe the lesson is that, sure, things will happen, but they might not all be good. So take advantage and try to make the good things count. Probably would have been a lot nicer and much easier To just have two kids on their own and raise them in a castle with an endless supply of food. Instead, probably struggled mightily to feed everyone. And to be honest, they don't really seem any better off at the end of this story than at the beginning. They have kids, but we don't know if they even wanted kids. The story is trying to be like, they've got golden children and golden horses and golden lilies. But the kids and the horses and lilies don't seem to be any better than normal fucking kids and horses and lilies. They're just a different color. Who cares? If anything, them being that color just makes things worse. Because when they go to town, everyone makes fun of them. That is literally the only thing in the story that happens as a result of them being gold. They get ridiculed by a whole hotel of people. The story was a fun read. I'll give it that. So I did enjoy it. I always do. Even the ones that are ridiculous. I fucking love reading them. But also, fuck this story. (laughs) Uh, Alright, intended lessons? I don't know. This story was so pointless and shoddy. It feels like trying to find lessons is giving it almost more effort than it deserves. Maybe it's trying to say that if you lose something good, like the castle, there, there will be new blessings to look forward to. They'll just be different than the thing you expected or might have wanted. And I mean, I still don't think the story gives any reason to call these golden birdings blessings. But it seems like the story wants us to think they are. So I like that. You know, you might not get the blessings or the good things that you expect or that you want. But things will happen and there will be good things up ahead. Or there will be things up ahead in any event. And an actual lesson that I'm going to take from this. Life will happen and unfold In weird, unexpected ways. Just roll with the punches and try to take advantage of the good fortune that you do manage to have. Which the people in the story do not do. That that fucking guy was going to kill that dog just for barking. I can't get past that. And he's the one who ran up to them on a horse. And asked the lady for help. Sorry that dog was a little surprised to see a man... And horse covered in fucking gold, galloping up and and demanding, barking orders at them, demanding help. He could have just galloped away. Just leave, buddy. You got your answer. Man, fuck that guy. He deserved to die for that. He should have stayed as a millstone. Man, that is the worst thing anyone in this story does. Threaten to kill that dog. As far as I'm concerned, he's the villain of this story. And his new wife, Probably didn't know that he's the kind of guy to kill a dog for barking. Until a very unfortunate incident unfolds in the town. He should have stayed a millstone. And his wife probably would be better off without him. Because he's a shitty guy who makes decisions for seemingly no reason. I gotta go through that forest. Why? No reason. I must and shall. That is his reason. He's like, I gotta find that deer from a dream. Like, why? Why are you doing any of the shit that you're doing bro (laughs) fuck this guy (laughs) man nothing good comes from a single thing that anyone in this story does not a single action of any character leads to anything good the only good thing that anyone does is the fish the fish giving the castle and food to a poor couple and they fucking squander it because they're morons and then the fish is dead Well, moving along, let's adapt this thing. So let's make this a series or a mini-series, like 8 to 10 episodes. We've got a couple played by Pete Holmes and Jenny Slate. I just really love the idea of Jenny Slate endlessly nagging Pete Holmes about where all this stuff came from. I've listened to them talking with each other on, like, podcasts, and their dynamic is hilarious. It should be immortalized on film or television somehow, and that is exactly what we are here for to do come up with the movies that the people want to watch well disclosure though that in this case the people is just me because nobody else has any input on these (laughs) anyway so we've got this couple and i actually want to keep this somewhat close to the original at least in terms of like time period so pete is a fisherman and jenny slate like collects rocks and tries to sell them but neither business is doing particularly well so they're pretty broke one day Pete is fishing, and a wanderer in mysterious dark robes walks along the shore and stops to talk to him. And they talk for a while, and Pete is very nice and open, but still kind of weirded out by the guy, who, let's say, is played by Matt Smith. He'd be, like, cool and mysterious. And Pete even gives Matt Smith a fish, even though he's, he's very poor. And finally, before he departs, Matt Smith says, When you return home, your home and your kitchen will be luxurious and plentiful. But he must never tell anyone where these gifts came from. And Pete obviously doesn't believe him, so he's just like, Yeah, alright, alright, buddy. See you later. But as he approaches his home, he realizes that where his little hut once stood, there now stands a big, luxurious home with three floors and many rooms, and he steps inside to see Jenny Slate just, like, standing in the kitchen holding out a knife and just looking around skeptically, <laughs> and she sees Pete... And goes, what the hell is going on? What did you do? And Pete says, there was this. But then he freezes because he knows that if he tells her what happened, then it'll all go away. So he just looks at her and says, I can't tell you. And she goes, what do you mean you can't tell me? What kind of bullshit is that? And Pete is like, have you looked in the cupboards? And they look through the kitchen cupboards and everything is just fully stocked. Every cupboard is full. Every time they close and reopen a cupboard, a, a new freshly cooked dish appears in place of the last one. And Jenny goes right up to Pete and says, I don't know what you're up to, but I do not like it. And Pete's like, why don't you like it? We we, we got a nice house and food and all this great stuff. I just I just can't tell you where it came from. That's like the one thing. It's like the one rule. I just, I just can't tell you where it came from. And we see them living nicely for a while, but Jenny Slate... Just can't let it go. She's Just side-eyeing him, warily, constantly glaring at him. So she keeps nagging him until finally he can't take it anymore and just completely snaps and yells that it was a mysterious man by the river. And the next thing they know, they're back in their old hut. And Jenny's like, well, that's fucking stupid. I don't even care. I don't need that shit. That river guy can fuck off. And so Jenny is standing her ground and just carries on like nothing happened. But Pete's kind of sad, disappointed. And a few weeks later, Matt Smith strolls back up to him at the river. And Matt Smith says, so you told her, huh? And Pete's like, yeah, I told her. She just kept asking. She just she couldn't just live with it without knowing. She's, she's great, really. She's great. She just had to know, you know, it was, it was too much, the, the not knowing. And so Matt Smith says, I'll tell you what. You take this fish, cook it tonight for dinner, and make sure you both eat it. And when you wake up tomorrow, you'll both be more magnificent and powerful than you've ever been. And so Pete does this, and the next day, him and Jenny Slate, they wake up, and they're both completely gold. And again, Jenny looks at him and goes, What did you do? And Pete's like, it was the man, the mysterious one. He came back, and he said he'd do something good for us. And Jenny's like, how is this good? We look Completely insane. How are we going to go about our lives like this, Pete? And Pete goes to make something for breakfast. But when he opens the door, he rips the door completely off its hinges. And he realizes he has super strength, too. And then Jenny grabs one of her rocks and that she sells and she squeezes it. And it just crumbles into dust. And Jenny's like, well, this is pretty cool. I, I, okay, I can get into this. But then she's like... Oh, I got to go sell my fucking rocks at the Sunday market, but we are going to talk about this later. And she goes to market and realizes that people are much more inclined to buy rocks from a woman who's solid gold because they think she's magic. So she plays along and is like, yes, I'm super magical. And then she demonstrates her strength by crushing rocks and also like jumps into the air and flies like 20 feet straight up for a landing. And then she says... And while I cannot give you my gifts, if you buy these lucky magic stones, you will have good luck and good tidings. And people can't get enough. They just buy all of her rocks. Meanwhile, Pete is walking through town and comes across an inn that's on fire. And he runs in and he gets everyone out and realizes that he's also impervious to fire and harm of any kind. And he loves the feeling of helping people, so he goes to Jenny at the market and is like... This is, this is great. This is awesome. And she's like, I know, right? I sold all my rocks. And they get back home to find two golden horses just milling about in their front yard. And Pete goes, do you think they're for us? And Jenny just looks at him like, obviously, they're for us. It's two solid gold horses. What do you think? And so over dinner, Pete is like, you know, I really liked the feeling of helping those people at the end today. day. If we've got superpowers, then I feel like we should, we should go on a quest, you know? You no know, a quest, do some good out in the world. And Jenny's like, I just figured out how to get people to pay crazy amounts for rocks. I can't go anywhere. I gotta milk this. But Pete says, we could travel and sell stuff and also help people. You could sell rocks all over the place. And so she agrees. So they set out and do this for a while with Pete helping people and Jenny finding ways to use their abilities to make a bunch of money. And then they use the money to help people as well. And each new episode is them going to a new place and defeating some bad guy. Almost like an old Western show, but it's medieval. And it's golden, magical Pete Holmes and Jenny Slate instead of like a Western gunslinger. And they keep gradually learning more about their abilities and discovering new abilities that they didn't know they had. And then one day they hear about a man who's wreaking havoc on this this village with dark magic. And Pete says, we'll save you, and him and Jenny go to confront the man in his castle high on a mountain and sees that it's none other than Matt Smith. And Pete's like, I I don't understand. Why would you help me but also do such awful things to so many other people? And Matt Smith says, I was bored living forever and doing as I please. Everything was just too easy. I need a challenge. When I saw you and how pure of heart you were, I thought perhaps one day... You could be that challenge. And Pete and Jenny, they buckle down, ready for a fight. But Matt Smith just smiles and he laughs and he says, You're not ready yet. It would still be like swatting a fly. But one day, one day we will meet and truly test each other's strength. And until then, then Matt Smith just vanishes into thin air. And that could be the end of season one. And the rest of the show is just Pete and Jenny continuing their journeys continuing to do battle and learn lessons and discover things about themselves and, and take on, you know, different weird, sometimes magical villains in different medieval towns. And every now and then, they have a run-in with Matt Smith and might even lose to him. But then he lets them live because he sees that they're improving. And this can basically go on as long as we want. Obviously, there will be side plots and supporting and recurring characters and things until they finally have their final battle with Matt Smith. And there we go. That's the show. I would watch the shit out of that show. And that will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next week for a collection of stories titled The Simpleton. There's a pretty low bar for intelligence in a lot of these folktales, so there's a guy they're calling The Simpleton. I can only imagine what we're going to be dealing with. <laughs> So come on back next week for that. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.